Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. A lot has been happening over the last few weeks in terms of attacks on working Australians. As we go to air, the Maritime Workers of Australia are supporting pickets in Sydney and Brisbane at Hutchinson Ports after the company sacked 97 workers by text with follow-up emails. The MUA has sought a federal court injunction against the sackings. They have stated that the cull is part of Hutchinson's strategy to de-unionise its workforce and completely automate its workplace. Protests will not stop until the shipping company is willing to negotiate with picketing continuing until at least Monday night, when the Fair Work Commission is due to hold a hearing into the matter in Sydney. If you are able, the MUA would love to see you at the picket supporting their efforts. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? We're starting our good battle. We know we're sure to win because we've got the gun thugs looking very thin. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? If you go to Harlan County, there is no neutral air. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? In Canberra earlier this month, we saw CFMEU organiser and former Raiders star Johnny Lomax coming to the attention of the Federal Police for allegedly blackmailing an employer into an EBA agreement, a situation which seems to be making the everyday work of a union organiser akin to criminal behaviour, as National Secretary of the CFMEU Dave Noonan puts it. We will hear more about this later in the show. The Productivity Commission has just released its interim report into industrial relations as it relates to productivity The issue that most people have concentrated on is the Commission's decision to recommend cuts to penalty rates for workers in hospitality, entertainment, retail, restaurants and cafes. There are other currents in the cake that could keep you awake as an Australian worker, like minimum wage increases should be lower and harder to get. Two, making it harder for workers to claim unfair dismissal because employers no longer are obliged to give staff warnings and feedback before they are fired. Three, new individual enterprise contracts for an entire workplace on a take-it-or-leave-it basis. The deals can cut penalty rates, hours of work, overtime and roster, with no oversight from the Commission. Four, Fair Work Australian Commissioners on five-year contracts and performance management overseen by their federal minister. Five, the test for suspending industrial action will be broadened from an action having a significant impact on the national economy to action having a significant impact on the employer alone. 
In this program, we will have a word with David McElray, Assistant Secretary of United Voice, about the penalty rate cuts, which will have a significant effect on his members. But before we do, let's hear from Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers Union for a reaction to the July 1st changes to the Centrelink system for the unemployed. Owen Bennett. Basically, what's happening is there's a massive expansion of work for the doll, where before July the 1st, it would be after a year of unemployment or collecting the Newstart benefit, you would be subject to work for the doll, which was for under 30s about 15 hours a week. And after July the 1st, they've halved that waiting period. So after six months of being on Newstart, then you will be pushed into work for the doll. And the amount of time that you have to work on the doll, so to speak, um, will be 25 hours, increased 10 hours for under 30s. Really? So, yes. That free labour is only meant to be given to non-for-profit organisations, but there, is, there are so many loopholes in the legislation that a lot of the time you get that free labour being utilised by for-profit businesses. The, the regulation actually states that that, that labour can be given to a for-profit business as long as it's a non-for-profit arm of that for-profit business. So you, you can see it's very easy for these companies to actually utilise that free labour by just getting going through these loopholes. And that's what we think is going to happen because after July 1st, you've got a huge mass of unemployed people. You know, all those people who had been unemployed for six months to a year, all those people are thrust onto the work for the doll market. So there's heaps and heaps of people that they have to find places for. And that's going to be a very big challenge for the government and for all these employment service providers, privately run, who need to find places for these unemployed people. And we think that there is a gradual move to the private sector, although it's not being acknowledged officially. They've actually allotted something like 40% of those uh, places to an American company. That's right, yeah. Max Employment, the biggest of all the companies, they're a multi-billion dollar US-owned corporation who have been given about, not 40%, I think 10% of the contracts, which is $800 million over five years. Max Employment have a, had consistent allegations of fraud and corruption. And in other countries? No, in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. So let me get this right. Uh, unemployed people are going to be subject to stricter arrangements regarding uh, uh, employment interviews? Yes. Well, that's the other half of the changes that um, the, un- the unemployment union have really been focusing on, which is these fines are introducing which we think are very punitive and completely unnecessary when you look at the actual legislation that exists. There's, they've got heaps of power as it stands. So I'll just, I'll just sum it up briefly. If you don't attend your job search appointment, which are usually fortnightly or monthly depending on your circumstances, after July 1st, if you don't attend those appointments, you may be given a $50 fine depending if you can have a reasonable excuse for not attending those appointments. And $50 in uh, the income of a person who's earning something like $250 a week is a considerable amount of money. That's right. Well, it's um, 10% of your payment will, will be deducted if you, if you don't provide what they consider a reasonable excuse. And what we're saying is that they already have powers to cut people off instantly if they don't attend an appointment. That They already exist. What this is doing is just basically increasing their power so they can find people practically on the spot if they don't come up with what they consider a reasonable excuse. And 
I love how the government used that sort of language, reasonable excuse. I mean... How long is a piece of string? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's typical of the government to use that sort of language. It's like when they say the healthy welfare card. You know, they, they, they try and build it into the language that it's a good thing. But the reasonable excuse determination powers is very, very vague, and it gives all the powers to the job service providers. And these are massive, privately run multi-million dollar, and in the case of Max Employment, billion dollar organisations, and they're giving them essentially the power of life and death over unemployed people. Every unemployed person I've spoken to about this fine weren't aware that it existed. When it comes to the unemployment area, would you agree, what we're talking about is criminalising the unemployed because they've created a draconian system They've created a pool of free labour and uh, they've outsourced the punishment mechanism. I agree with most of what you said. It's part of this wider move to divide working class poor into two groups, the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. And the deserving poor are the ones who are you know, working the minimum wage jobs. You know, they've, they might have several you know, casual jobs and they're, they're, they're really slugging it out. And then you have the undeserving poor, who are the ones who are on welfare, who are trying to get work, but just can't get it for whatever reason. And they're, and they're deemed as less worthy than the ones who have actually got work. But the problem with this whole mentality is that it forgets that in Australia right now, for, for every job vacancy, there's 11 job seekers. And that's going by the official ABS statistics. And that's something that's just not recognised by either side of politics. There's a massive unemployment crisis happening across the board, like over, over 40s, over 50s, they can't find work. They're pretty much unemployable in this job market, just like inexperienced young people are. So you've got these two hugely um, expanding groups of unemployed people. We have to look at why the, the, the government takes such a hard approach to the unemployed. Like, is it just because they, they have this deep you know, hatred for unemployed people? It, it's not because of that. It's because there's an economic motive behind these attacks. I mean, they've been systematic for the last 20 years, these tax on unemployed people. The more desperate unemployed people are for work, that, that like the New Start rate's $280 below the poverty line each fortnight, you know, these series of punitive measures, work for the doll, all these things, they make unemployed people really desperate to accept work of any kind. That increases that competition for jobs, which in the big picture pushes down wages and conditions. So this is, the, this is the game that the government is playing. They're trying to push wages and conditions down because that increases the profits of business. And this is something that needs to be recognised across the board by the trade union movement. Their constituents are being attacked through the unemployed. Lower wages, lower conditions, and that's exactly what's happening in Australia. Real wages are at their lowest growth rate for about 17 years. And it's going to continue to get, to get lower and lower. So when you say who the government is targeting... It's not these individual groups. They're targeting the working class as a whole, the Australian working class. And that's why it's so important that it's represented as a whole, not just little groups of workers here and there represented. The whole working class needs to be represented because they'll just keep finding the weak points and attack them. And they've been doing it for the last 30 years very successfully. Big business has been very happy with this and they're going to keep on doing it until there's effective resistance. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio.
You're on Stick Together Show, produced in 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We focus on workers' stories and union news. We've just been listening to Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers' Union. Now we move to the ACT and the charging of the CFMEU organiser John Lomax by the Federal Police for what many would say was core union work representing his members. Here is Dave Noonan from the National CFMEU office to explain what happened. Well, Johnny Lomax is a, a, an organiser with the uh, ACT branch of the union. Um, and um, and that, of course, is the CFMEU? Yeah, with the CFMEU. Um, Johnny uh, has been uh, charged uh, by the Australian Federal Police under the uh, uh, Hayden Royal Commission Task Force, which was set up uh, by Tony Abbott under the auspices of the Hayden Royal Commission into Trade Unions. Uh, the charge is a criminal charge of blackmail, which is a very serious charge and carries a, a maximum of 14 uh, years' imprisonment. The strange thing is that in this case, uh, the charge um, concerns an allegation that Johnny Lomax um, spoke to a painting contractor on the telephone that he uh, made uh, demands that that contractor enter into an enterprise agreement with the union. The um, charge is um, blackmail causing a loss. Um, so it's not alleged that Mr Lomax made any money or that Johnny uh, received any benefit uh, from uh, the demand for an EBA. The allegation is that by uh, signing the EBA, which the contractor subsequently did, uh, he had to pay the workers higher wages and provide them better conditions and that this resulted in an economic loss. Um, so the logic seems to be uh, that by a union obtaining better wages and conditions for its members, uh, this is uh, now uh, regarded as a criminal act. Isn't it extraordinary? Most people out there will think that that's what a union does, actually go and represent uh, the workers to uh, actually get a fair uh, hourly rate and uh, deal in uh, appropriate conditions for the workers. So this is quite a blow, isn't it? It's very strange. Oh, look, it's clearly politically motivated. The Hayden Royal Commission is uh, desperate to try and get some traction. Uh, Look, um, you know, they've had very limited success. They have... um, uh, exposed one individual uh, in the ACT who'd formerly been employed by the union who uh, has been engaged in uh, or has been charged with being engaged in corrupt activity. That's another individual. The union, of course, uh, hasn't employed that individual for some time and uh, uh, has uh, expelled him. Um, and not only that, you, that, and as, you, as you've said, that if there is criminal activity, that's what the police are for. That's what the police are for, and uh, we've always made it very clear that we have no tolerance for uh, officers of the union or uh, anyone that engages in corruption in the industry. In relation to that individual, our view has been that uh, both uh, he and the um, employers who, play, who paid, have admitted to paying bribes ought to face um, uh, the criminal courts, uh, and they can have their uh, matters determined there. This is a very different matter, though, and, of course... Um, What you see uh, is a charge which um, senior counsel for uh, Johnny Lomax uh, has described as being doomed to failure. Uh, But uh, a lot of the agenda here is to try and get some momentum for Abbott's anti-union push. He wants to pass uh, 
legislation reinstating the Australian Building and Construction Commission uh, in its full powers, uh, and in fact, powers more extensive than it had under the Abbott, uh, sorry, under the Howard government. Uh, that's the agenda, and it's all about trying to throw as much mud uh, and cause as much political damage uh, to the union and its members as possible along the way. Okay, and uh, what's ha- going to happen now? For John, Johnny Lomax. Oh well, he's had a he's had a, um, a preliminary hearing, uh, which really went nowhere. But his bail conditions were varied uh, to allow him to continue to do his job as a union organizer. Uh, John's got very strong support uh, from our members around the country. Uh, we're not going to see someone um, uh, dragged through the mud and um, um, attacked in this way for for simply doing their job. Um, there was a rally of uh, a couple of hundred uh, supporters from our union, the trade union movement and the Canberra community outside the court. Um, the matter's been kicked off for case management in 12 weeks' time. It seems to be a glacial legal system in the Australian Capital Territory and, of course, while the charges aren't uh, uh, resolved, uh, Johnny Lomax has got to live with uh, a nasty criminal charge hanging over his head. We're very confident that he will be exonerated but in the meantime, you'll have uh, the full support of the union and of its members, and we think that this is going to uh, show uh, the real agenda of the Abbott government, which is, um, again, uh, to uh, engage in uh, very large-scale attacks on union rights, uh, on workers' wages and conditions, and um, it's important that uh, uh, all trade unionists and, and the community in Australia just have a look at what's happening here and understand... Um, that as far as Tony Abbott's concerned, getting better wages and conditions uh, makes you uh, no better than a criminal. Uh, that, that appears to be the the approach here. And um, the role of the Australian Federal Police is uh, increasingly of concern to people. We see them acting completely inconsistently in charging Peter Slipper with abuse of parliamentary expenses and uh, turning a blind eye to uh, similar allegations around the... Uh, uh, recently departed speaker, uh, Bronwyn Bishop. Uh, here we see uh, apparently the AFP uh, being used as a cat's paw for Abbott's Royal Commission, um, and I think that should be of concern uh, to all Australians as well. Annie McLaughlin bringing you Stick Together show, focusing on workers' stories and union news. To finish off, we're going to look at the Productivity Commission's suggestion that a certain section of workers should lose their Sunday penalty rates, while another section of workers should keep them. So workers in hospitality, entertainment, retail, restaurants and cafes should see their Sunday rates be reduced to the same as Saturday, leading to a massive pay cut to this significant section of the workforce. However, 
those who wear uniforms and save lives and have the capacity to embarrass politicians when they campaign for their rights, they will keep their penalty rates, thus dividing the two groups of workers. Let's hear what David McElray, Assistant Secretary of United Voice, has to say. Disappointed, but probably not surprised. Um, uh, Disappointed that the uh, Productivity Commission has come out and said that uh, weekend rates for hospitality, entertainment, cafe, restaurant, retail workers should be lowered. Uh, They've recommended a wage cut for some of Australia's lowest paid workers where they'd be second class citizens in their own country. You know, any figures you look at show that the those at the lower end of the labour market, those workers on low wages aren't getting ahead. It's those at the top that are. And the solution is not to cut the wages of those at the bottom so that business, big business takes home more money. Uh, I mean, what we need in this country is low-paid workers earning more money. They go out into their communities. They spend that money on goods and services. Uh, and that money goes back into the community. So that's better for economic growth. That's the type of of economic solution we should be pursuing in this country. Instead, we have the Productivity Commission and the Abbott government saying that that the wages of these workers should be cut. It's pretty unusual for the Productivity Commission to actually be intruding on industrial relations law. In earlier uh, demonstrations before this interim report came out, I talked to one of the demonstrators saying, uh, you know, what do you think of this? And he said, well, I'm here because we wouldn't need to have penalty rates if they paid us properly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it is unusual because they have they have singled out a group of workers and said, we think your wages should be cut. So that's pretty unprecedented. And you can imagine if you're one of those workers and one of our members that you, you say, well, hang on, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? But penalty rates are there, or weekend rates are there to compensate people for working those unsocial hours, working when other people are, are enjoying leisure time. And, I mean, the, the, the reasoning of the Productivity Commission is they look at Saturday, they look at Sunday, they say, we don't get it, why should you get more on Sunday than a Saturday? Well, one answer to that is, if you accept that logic, and I don't, but is to reduce the Sunday pay. The other answer, I would say, is, well, why don't you up the Saturday pay to the Sunday rates if, if there's no difference? So it just goes to show how much ideology is behind this kind of move. But also they have singled out particular workers, haven't they? And yes. it re- And it reflects the campaign coming from the Australian Chamber of Industry. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they have they have singled out workers and they're trying to set one group of workers against each another and there has been a long campaign from retail employers big business you know this is this is your Coles and your Woolworths uh, but uh, restaurant employers and so forth saying trying to reduce the wages of this group of workers now these are uh, are workers who are vulnerable and are uh, uh, generally on low pay uh, and then you know they can't afford a further reduction in their wages but the productivity commission and now the abbott government tony abbott came out last week and said he supported this recommendation he supports the wage cut so the productivity commission and tony abbott have come out and said yes this particular group of workers should have their wages cut and i think that's a disgrace now one of the arguments that the uh, kate carnell in her reasonable voice says for <laughs> this kind of cut is because it will uh, those uh, employers will then be able to employ more people mm. is there any evidence of this well no there's not not no evidence at all to support this and this has been looked at i mean this is always the claim of course uh, they don't come out and claim well when you cut the wages we'll 
pocket the extra money as profit because they're going to run the line on employment. But there is no evidence of this. Uh, you know, the Fair Work Commission looked at this recently. Uh, at, uh, last year when they tried to reduce penalty rates and weekend rates, found no evidence. Ross Gittins has written about it today in the Fairfax media and, and uh, said the same thing. We released a report uh, on the weekend on Saturday from the McKell Institute looking at this issue. And what it finds, for example, is, uh, and this was particularly focused on regional areas, when you uh, reduce the wages of people who rely on weekend rates to get by, when you reduce it, if they can... They just try and work more hours. So they work more hours to get the same pay that they were getting before. So you don't increase employment. You increase the amount of time people have to work to get the same money. But you're not, no one else has got a job. And that's quite often the effect of it. People are very angry about it. I mean, people, people feel picked on. We uh, have a case commencing in the Fair Work Commission in a couple of weeks where the employers have already sought to do this. So um, we will be presenting to uh, that Fair Work Commission hearing a number of uh, workers from all around the country, metropolitan and regional, uh, talking about what effect this would have on their lives. Uh, we'll also be going into the Productivity Commission, bringing workers to that commission to say, hang on, these are people you're talking about. These are people who, for whom these wages are critically important for their standard of living. It's not just uh, a textbook exercise. This is the effect of what you're recommending would have on these people. So uh, people are angry and upset about it and we'll be making sure their voices are heard. It's only an interim report, so we will wait to see what happens. But, of course, you as the union aren't going to wait. You're going to uh, push forward with uh, raising awareness, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we are campaigning on this issue already. The ACTU, on behalf of all unions, is campaigning. We are out there in communities, uh, regional communities especially, talking about this. So we're going out onto the Central Coast in a couple of weeks uh, with the Retail Workers Union, the SDA, to talk to people about this issue. Uh, we've just been uh, in regional Victoria, uh, recently Townsville and Cairns. Where we are uh, getting out all around the country, knocking on doors, talking to people and raising awareness. Um, the Australian community believes strongly in weekend rates and strongly in, in their attention. We're going to make sure that people are mobilised about the issue and the politicians that try and take wages off them don't get away with it. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. We have to thank Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers' Union, Dave Noonan from the CFMEU and David McElray for speaking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.